Hey everyone, it's Matt Harmon from the Yahoo Fantasy Football Show. Are you sad there's no fantasy football going on right now? Yeah, me too. I've got good news for you though. It is fantasy baseball season right now. Join a public league, join an instant draft, or create a league with your buddies before opening day. It's Yahoo Fantasy Baseball time. Sign up for the 2024 fantasy baseball season at yahoo.com slash fantasy baseball or on the Yahoo Fantasy app. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world that would never pull out of the WBC. Doesn't matter how bad the injury or how mad my MLB team is. I'm playing, Jordan. I'm playing. You can't stop us. We will be representing this great podcast in the World Baseball Classic. You know, it just means... It just means more when you get to wear the Barbacast name across your chest and go out there and compete on the international podcast stage. I'm so excited. Uh, this this tournament, I've been looking forward to this for, what, five, six years now uh, for us to be able to represent the Barbacast. I'm, I'm amped. I'm amped. This is going to be great. This will be the World Baseball Classic preview extravaganza. We ran through... The rosters as quickly as we possibly could on an earlier show, but this 60 Minutes will be dedicated to the WBC because we know that 60 Minutes would never dedicate 60 Minutes to it. (laughs) Yes. If 60 Minutes ever does a World Baseball Classic feature, we will know that this tournament has reached the heights that MLB is trying to get it to. Uh, This is, of course, the fifth edition of the World Baseball Classic. We have not had one since 2017. And we are super excited about this. I mean, listen, there's, there's obviously there are some, some imperfections with it as we expected. You know, some of the best players have, have pulled out a little bit late, but fear not. This will be the greatest WBC we've ever seen. It begins on Tuesday night at 11 p.m. Eastern. Uh, with the first game between Cuba and the Netherlands, we will begin uh, with Pool A here. But yeah, in this in this preview, we're going to go pool by pool. There are four pools uh, with five teams each. We're going to tell you what we are most excited about in each pool, the players you need to know, and all that fun stuff. Um, but before we go pool by pool, I guess we should probably explain how this tournament is going to work, at least roughly. We won't go back and explain all the qualification stuff because that is very complicated. But the point is, for the first time uh, ever, it is 20 teams competing. It used to be uh, 16 teams. So we have 20 teams competing, five teams in four pools competing in four different pool plays. Uh, pool A will be held will be held in Taiwan. Pool B held in Japan. Pool C in uh, the United States in Arizona. And Pool D in Miami. Uh, at Lone Depot Park, uh, lowercase L. Don't you forget it. Nothing uh, <laughs> says nothing says international sports like Lone Depot Park. Exactly. Now, uh, so th- of those four pools, um, of course, two teams out of each of the four pools will make it out to the quarterfinals. So that will be eight teams that advance to the quarters. Two of the the teams that advance to the quarters in the two pools in Asia will play the quarterfinal games in 
in Japan in the Tokyo Dome. And the teams in Arizona and Miami that make it to the quarters will play in Miami. And Miami will be the home to the semifinals and the uh, championship, which will take place on March 21st. So starting tomorrow on uh, the late evening of March 7th, we will basically have multiple games a day every day uh, for 15 days. And I am so excited for this because just the notion of suddenly having immensely high stakes baseball. I know we watch a lot of college baseball and that's exciting, but it's still early in the season. But the idea of getting to watch so many of the best players in the world suddenly playing high stakes baseball after trying to watch spring training for the last week. Oh, man, it's just going to be the best. Totally agree because I have an admission, which is I can't watch spring training. I can't do it. I'm trying every day and I probably should be watching because it is my job, but I turn on the games. I watch the good pitchers or the cool prospects for two innings. And then I turn on college baseball or I (laughs) go for a bike ride or I, you know, start writing for our other job or I plan a podcast. I really do struggle to lock into it. And you're right. It is as if we are skipping from an, from an intensity perspective, we're skipping the entire season. Here's the other thing. And one other quick aside on spring training point. The fact that with the pitch clock, I'm like, I used to put on spring training as background noise because it would take for fucking ever. And there were a million pitching changes and it was always on and the games lasted until like, you know, 6, 7 p.m. The late games. And it was just like, now it's like, boom, boom, boom. Oh, spring training game's over. I didn't even have time to to turn it on, which again is fine with me because it's not like I feel that bad about missing it. But the point is, is that this is why we are extra excited to have this. And while there are constantly debates about when is the best time to hold this tournament for all the reasons that there are, I think... I understand why it is now, and I am thrilled that it is the case, honestly. I think it is still one of the best possible times you could do it. Let me make a quick point on that. It is not fair to compare this to the World Cup. Uh, I think there are obviously some comparisons in my mind and some other people's minds because of how recent we had the World Cup. The World Cup is a different thing because of the scale and the scope of global soccer, obviously, but also because of the power dynamic between the World Cup, like the international games, and the club teams, right? The club teams understand that these players are going to play for the national teams in the World Cup, no matter the financial risk of like, you know, Mbappe getting injured, yep. right? That is a trade-off that is implied and built into the economics of world soccer, global football, whatever you want to call it. Baseball does not have that yet because the WBC is not that type of financial behemoth and is not that important yet. And so what we have is a tournament whose number one priority is to be flexible around the realities of the MLB season and the desires of the MLB teams and not a tournament that's number one priority is to be entertaining and get the best talent on the field. That's not a criticism, to be clear from me. That's just a reality of the situation. And I think it is important to remember that like, oh, why are... Why is it so truncated? Well, because they want to get it in before the season. Why is the pitching so weird? Well, they want to make sure that, you know, no one gets hurt. There are all these things that exist to that maybe take a bit away from the entertainment value. But without them, we don't have this at all. Right. And so I think that is important to remember. And my last point before we get into this, Jordan, think back to where you were in your life in the spring of 2017. (laughs) I was thinking about this this morning and how many things have happened in our lives, in the world, since the spring of 2017, the last time that we had 
a WBC, the year of the Javi Baez tag, a play that feels like it was 25 years ago, but was literally the last WBC we have not had. Yeah. And the Adam Jones catch. And the Adam Jones catch. <laughs> I mean, that was like awful. Adam Jones has been done playing for now it feels like multiple. Yeah. So, Correct. yes, it's there's. Yeah. Wow. It's a great. Point. We were in college like you we and were I were college. seniors in college. I was I had like this was during right March 6th to March 22nd, 2017. Right. I had just turned in my senior thesis uh, basically right in the middle of that. This is basically our spring break. I remember um, during. So you would have been in, we were in Florida. Um, also, I, I guess you would have been in Florida for sure during this time. Um, but yeah, and, and this is the other thing I think about as, as we've kind of prepared for this WBC is that like the reality is 2017, I, I remember it pretty well. Some of those games were amazing and like is what is driving so much excitement for this. But like those early tournaments, man, I don't I don't have any recollection of those early tournaments. And, and sure, we were alive, but like that's how small of, a, of an event it was relatively. And, and you, you got to start somewhere, right? But that's why I think that the fact that this is only the fifth tournament and we have made it to the point where you do have so many of the best players playing. Of course, you could say, oh, but there's no judge. Oh, there's no this guy. There's no that guy. It's like, it's fine. Like, this is clearly a huge, huge, huge deal. And uh, and and man, I'm, I'm so excited. So all, all that said, it's a great point, though. 2017 is, is a long time ago. Like, here, here are some players who had not debuted yet who feel like they've been in our lives oh, forever. Yeah. I mean, Acuna hasn't, right? I mean, it, yeah. it's, and Soto in 18, right? Yeah. Yandi Diaz had not debuted. <laughs> Amir Garrett had not debuted. Oh, man. Yep. Okay. That to me is why Cody Bellinger had not played in the big leagues yet. Ian Happ had not debuted. Yep. These are uh, players. Brett Phillips. Think about everything we've well, seen Brett Phillips do. Well, it's that. And it's just like, again, it was coming off the Cubs winning the World Series. Right. Which is also like now the Cubs have already gone through a full rebuild and no one's left on the team. Like this is this is a long time ago. Um, yeah. Matt Chapman. Matt yeah. Chapman, who feels like he's, you know, a vet, like yeah. 30. He feels like he's 37. Well, I mean, these I dudes are hidden for agency now. Yeah, it's been it's been a, it has been a long, long, long time. So um, all that. And, and also, like, I think the bigger point, not just all, all these players that haven't played. It's the fact that like. Our experience of baseball and how we consume baseball has changed, right? Not just because of our jobs, but like there's just way more avenues. There's way more people on baseball Twitter. There's way more people tweeting gifts of and videos and all these different streams. Like there's just going to be so much more able to be consumed of, of this tournament than, than there even was in 2017 yeah. when, when a lot of it was like only on MLB Network, right? Like there was a lot of uh, kind of it was harder to watch than, than it ever was now and what it will be now. I remember feeling like I had to screen cap and record stuff in 2017 or else it wouldn't get on the internet. And I don't think (laughs) like that. I don't do that anymore. It's so true. It's like, oh, wait, it'll be on 5,000 accounts in the next 30 seconds. Like this is not worth it. Um, No, it's, it's, it's absolutely correct. But Jordan, Uh, let's, let's throw on those floaties. Uh Okay. Put on your swim trunks Mm -hmm. and let's jump into a pool. Mm, A pool. Uh, a pool, a, a.k.a. Pool A, will be, I like how it says on Wikipedia, will be contested. Pool A will be contested in Taichung during uh, the uh, stretch March 8th to March 12th. This, of course, begins with Cuba and the Netherlands tomorrow night. Now, the five teams in this pool are Chinese Taipei, a.k.a. Taiwan, Netherlands, Cuba, Italy, and Panama. And the first thing to say about this pool is that this is the most balanced pool that we have in this 
tournament. Uh, every other pool, as we will get to, there are at least one team where it's like, holy shit, if they win a game, it will be incredible. In this case, I can make an argument for any of these teams to come out of this pool. And that is what makes this one, even though the games will be going on very late or very early, very, very, very exciting to watch. So where would you like to begin with Pool A? I would like to begin with the national beverages for each of these five nations, Jordan. All right. Let us know. Yep. Cuba, the Cuba Libre, mm-hmm. you know, rum and coke or a mojito. Do you like Delicious. a mojito? You like a mojito? Yeah. Oh, of course. Mojito. You know me. Mojito sounds, sounds good to me. Sign me up. Just so everyone knows, these are from a Wikipedia page titled List of National Drinks. Uh, Italy is something called a Chinoto, which I had never heard of before. Okay, can you describe it for me? What, what a are, type of... Co- it's like a cola. It's like a Coca-Cola made from the juice of the fruit of the myrtle-leaved orange tree. Interesting, but it's a cola. This is not like a coffee coffee drink. No. This is a cola. Correct. Okay, all right, interesting. I'd love to try one, but no idea what that tastes like. Netherlands has something called Jennifer, uh, Jennifer, mm. Jennifer. Probably not yeah, Jennifer. There's going to be some tough pronunciations for some of these. <laughs> go, go, go on. Yeah. And that is, it's just, it's gin. It's just juniper, oh. you know, flavored liqueur, uh, Dutch mm. gin. Jennifer. No, less into that. You know, I'm not into into gin. Yeah, gin is in though. Panama has something called Seco Herrano, which I believe is uh, like a cane liquor situation. Okay, I'm more 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 interested. I think at least more than the gin. <laughs> <laughs> and Taiwan has bubble tea, which oh, is very well, interesting. I, I actually spent a lot of time today reading about bubble tea and how kind of the origins of bubble tea and how it came from Taiwan. So there is a little, uh, you know, non-baseball knowledge about each of these five countries. Jordan, that's, the next thing I want to ask you about is what in this pool between Cuba, Italy, the Netherlands, Panama, and Taiwan, what do we care about the most? Uh, so this one's easy. Uh, Johannes Cespedes is still playing baseball, which is freaking sweet. He is 37 years old. He played a little bit in the Dominican Winter League. Uh, In between injuries, he managed to hit four home runs, including one off of our friend Brent Honeywell, which was hilarious. Um, But the point is, uh, much of following uh, Cespedes over the last few years has been constantly wondering, is this it? Are we never going to see him play a real baseball game again? When he dipped on the Mets during the 2020 season and we were all worried about where he was, it was like, is that it? Like, was that was that the end of him playing? And then it was like, oh, now he's working out for scouts here. We, he is taking batting practice in his, like, custom, you know, personal logo in front of all these scouts. Like, okay, oh, now he's going to get signed. Minor league deal. Oh, no. Oh, is he going to go to Japan? Oh, no. Now he's just off, you know, coaching his son's little league team and at a tournament in, in Cooperstown. Oh, there, there he is there. But we always wonder, will we ever see him play again? We did get to see him in the winter in the winter league a little bit, but now he gets to play for Cuba, and this is another part of the biggest part of this uh, pool and store. One of the biggest stories in this whole tournament is that Cuban players that have played in MLB, uh, or at least some of them, uh, will now have the opportunity to represent Cuba um, again on the international stage. Now, this is a much more complicated topic that we cannot cover in one podcast, but the point is, is this is a, a huge, huge, huge deal, and obviously, personally, we are most invested in watching uh, Yo play baseball again. And I'm super duper amped to, to see it. From a competitive perspective, you have Luis Robert and Yoan Moncada as the two most prominent current big leaguers playing on the Cuban team. Obviously, there are many more 
who aren't playing, but Mankata and Robert getting on a plane and flying to Taiwan and wearing Cuba across the chest after not having lived there for many, many years, both of these guys having defected at one point in their lives, getting to wear that across the chest again. You're right. That's a podcast series. That's not two minutes on a podcast. So that is the real narrative that we are following in this pool. In addition to just how balanced it is, none of these teams are juggernauts. Cuba used to be. I would say that that national team has taken a slight dip over the last five to ten years since the yeah. first couple of first couple WBCs. Yeah, I mean for obvious reasons, and I think that it's been interesting to see the betting odds still seem to suggest that Cuba is one of the favorites, and I think that they very well could make it out of this pool. Um, I think that they still have enough talent. I think that the top end of their pitching is actually still decent. They have some some of the better pitchers in Japan, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, but in general, yeah, the talent on the island has been decimated for obvious reasons, and it's just not what it used to be. Of course, we'll still have good Cuban players coming over um, in coming years, but it's just it's not nearly as deep. Uh, but then the last time they were good is, is right when, when Yo was in his prime and he was playing on that team and Jose Abreu was in his prime and Alfredo Despagne, who is playing again. Uh, but, you know, he's, you know, he's 36 now. And so, yeah, there was a time when they were a clear international baseball power. And I think they still are reputation wise. Uh, but just the depth of this roster is nowhere near what it has been in the past. At the same time, there's still plenty good enough to win this pool for sure. Let's talk a little bit about the Netherlands, and that is a hilarious narrative that we are thinking about. Jerickson Profar, who remains a free agent in the Major League Baseball, despite a the best season of his career in 2022, is playing for the Netherlands. He is obviously staying in shape and plans to play in the big leagues this year and is just getting on a plane and heading over to Taiwan. Yeah, I, I believe he's, he's already over there. I know most of that team's already over there. been playing some... Some uh, some exhibitions and yeah, him and his brother uh, Jeremy Profar, who I believe didn't make it past like a ball. I think he's playing in Mexico now. Um, but yeah, man, he the fact that him and Bogarts, <laughs> you have the guy who did not get the contract that we expected, and then the guy who got <laughs> way bigger contract than we expected, both playing in this tournament. And we'll talk about Gary Sanchez. He's also playing in this tournament. He's also still looking for a team. But like, I I kind of love this because for him, it's like, well, I mean, I I don't think this. I mean, sure, he could get injured, and then he's really you know, maybe screwed to sign a deal. But in general, he's like, look, why Why am I going to keep waiting and, and pretend like I need to be getting ready? Like, no, I might as well go play for my like my country and like have fun playing baseball. He he doesn't get to go to spring training and play baseball right now. He's like, he probably wants to play baseball. And so this is a pretty cool opportunity to go do that. And so he's also, of course, one of their best players and will probably be a big part in, in helping them, you know, try and win this pool, I would imagine. Other guys to know on this team, Xander Bogarts, duh. Jonathan Scope and Charlton Simmons will be over there. And then there's uh, Vladimir Ballantin, who oh, yeah. is a little bit over the hill, I believe, at this point. <laughs> yes, he's definitely a little uh, more than uh, over the hill. But but him and Roger Bernardino are just icons of this team. They will both be playing, both of them 38 uh, years old. And then the t- and Jair Jurgens is also that on the mound. I mean, we saw him in the big leagues for a long time. Um, go ahead. I don't think that Kenley Jansen is making the trip to Taiwan, but would be eligible to pitch if they make it back to the U.S. Now, Kenley, the first we ever saw him 
in our baseball lives was as a catcher throwing out runners in the WBC for Team Netherlands as like a 19-year-old. Yeah, I believe it was 2009, right? I don't think it was yeah. 2006. Um, the second WBC, yeah, man. I mean, that's like, that is, they were showing those clips for like the first five years of his major league career. And now they're like recirculating because now he could be back on the team. So, uh, yeah, I mean, talk about a lifetime ago. And then Didi is also uh, over there and and uh, and playing. Um, I believe he's going to be playing first base, which is both depressing and kind of hilarious. Uh, but I mean, he's still a re- recent big leader, so they'll take that. And then Pedro Strope is the one I'm super fascinated by. I had no idea he had he had any sort of that heritage, but I'm excited about that one. Uh, other narrative, we have to talk about Team Italy now. Okay, so the other thing I'm super excited about is that Mike Piazza is going to be managing. We have both Mike Piazza and Yadier Molina managing in this tournament. Now, I know you you gave some heat for the Yadier Molina managing uh, decision. The Mike Piazza one, I mean, how it's do you worse. feel about this one? It's worse. It's worse. It is worse. But like, I, the only thing I would say is I agree with you, it's worse. But unlike with the Puerto Rico case where you have so many other qualified people to pick from, this one, you can at least understand why they landed on Piazza. But I agree with you, this could be a circus. I'm just skeptical that Piazza is going to be the one making decisions. Like I would imagine the bench coach, Blake Butera, who I think Mm -hmm. is running a lot of the show over there, will be getting to do that. Because the thing with Piazza is, I don't think he's ever managed a baseball team before. Is that true? Yeah, I don't like he's never done this at any level. He hasn't really been around the game all that much <laughs> besides selling his vodka. And the last management experience he had was running a third division Italian soccer team into bankruptcy. And so yeah. I'm just a little skeptical that he and and again, like in these tournaments, in-game management decisions are true. so important and it's really true. do swing it. Right. Whereas over the course of 162, it's all about, you know, managing people in this situation. It's about making good decisions and knowing your players. And I just but on the other side, like it's literally Mike Piazza, like it's Team Italy. It's (laughs) the guy. That's what I'm saying. Right. Like, what do you expect? Um, But yeah, it's going to be on Butera. And uh, speaking of third division, division three legend, Kristen Orfia, also on this um, uh, coaching staff. Um, But yeah, I, I think the funny part is like, you know, with Puerto Rico, they've got a lot of familiar names in the bullpen. Um, the Italy pitching staff, I mean, shouts out. I mean, listen, they have some big leaguers that you'll know. You know, Matt Festa, I know Matt Harvey, um, Andre Palante, who's like quietly really awesome for the Cardinals last year. But it's a little different where it's like it's going to be harder to really know <laughs> who is the guy he should be turning to well, in terms of Italy pitching staff decisions, uh, which will be funny. It'll be it'll be fascinating to watch. Uh, they'll, they'll know better than us, but it will be funny. Like, with all due respect, what does Mike Piazza know about Sam Gaviglio? I really <laughs> well, do not. I hope he knows some more by now. You know, they've, they've been, been hanging out. Um, Let's but talk yes. about uh, the best lineup in this pool, Jordan. Who do you think's got the best lineup? Man, it's close. I think I'd still go Netherlands. I think with Bogarts, with I still think Valentin is more than capable of hitting a home run in this tournament, even if he's 38. But there's just a, a, a lot of big – it's really close between them and Italy. I think you think it's Italy, but I, I still think I would take Netherlands with Profar, Bogarts, even Didi against worse pitching. Um, I think that's my pick, but it's really close. I will take Italy. I think they have one of the most underrated lineups in the entire tournament, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. That'll look something like 
Brett Sullivan, Vinny Pasquantino, Nicky Lopez, David Fletcher, uh, Robel Garcia, and then the outfield, Dominic Fletcher, Sal Freilich. What I really like about this lineup is how much contact they make. In this yeah, type of tournament where guys are throwing slower and mm-hmm. the defenses aren't that good, we're going to see point. balls in play turning into base runners at a much higher rate than we're used to in a lot of these games. And when you have guys like David Fletcher, Nicky Lopez, and Vinny who mm-hmm. don't strike out a whole lot and mm-hmm. put the ball in play a lot, Sal Freilich is in that group too. Yeah. I, mean, I know he's a prospect, but he's yeah. got an incredible hit tool. Like I think that's really going to play. And I think that this team is going to score a bunch of runs against the bad teams. Yeah. No, that's that's totally fair. I, I forgot to mention Jonathan Scope. That's another guy um, with the Netherlands, um, as well as the Palacios brothers. So, you know, we got the Palacios brothers. We got the Profar brothers. We got the Fletcher brothers. Uh, all kinds of – oh, the Scope brothers. Uh, Jonathan's older brother, Charlin, is also playing. So, all kinds of uh, family affairs uh, in this international tournament, which is very cool. But it, it's really close. I, I, I think you that's a very, very good point. And I think – I do agree that the Italy lineup in general is very underrated, and I'm excited to watch Freilich in particular. That's There aren't that many prospects, like top 100 prospects playing in this tournament, um, but that is one that could definitely get a lot of attention. So that is definitely a, a good a good shout there. Jordan, who in this pool has the best pitching? That is not a rhetorical question that I'm asking – for podcast formatting, I literally just don't know. Like, I really can't figure it out. So, honestly, at the top, it still might be Cuba. I mean, the team we uh, we certainly have not mentioned at all is Panama. And Panama actually has some, like, guys that have started recent major league games like Jaime Berea and Humberto Mejia and Paolo Espino. Like, they actually have some guys that could, like, you know, junk ball their way to six scoreless innings, like very realistically. Um, and they have Andy Otero, who, if you're listening to this, you have no idea who that is, but he's been carving the Dominican Winter League for the last few seasons. He's a tiny, you know, like a 5'8 left-handed pitcher. Um, their offense is much lighter, though, so I don't know. But, like, that's the thing. Like, it's just who can give you length. And then, you know, this we can kind of transition to some of the, the guys you might not have heard of. Like, Cuba does have some pitchers that are really, really, really impressive at the very top. Now, Rowena Salias is another one who maybe you'll see in the big leagues this year with the Cubs. He'll probably start a game. I know Onelki Garcia is another one who is maybe a familiar name in terms of the Cuba team. But the two the two pitchers that I'm, I'm most curious uh, in terms of, of Team Cuba are um, Yariel Rodriguez, who I believe is going to be starting uh, their, their first game. And then uh, a guy named Levon Moynello. Now he's more of a reliever. He's five. He's listed at five seven one thirty nine, and he throws like ninety seven from the left side with one of the best curveballs you're ever going to see. He had the highest strikeout rate of any reliever in Japan last year, and I think that they might have a more more impactful bullpen arms than almost anyone else in this. And, and maybe this is disrespectful to the likes of, you know, Matt Festa, who was a very good major league reliever last year, and Palante as well. So I don't know. It's But this is this is why this pool is exciting. Even though when when it was all first announced, it was like, oh, pool A, that's a little weird. Like, this could be a really, really, really fun pool. And the guy who I think could dominate and open some eyes is Tang Kai Wei, a pitcher mm-hmm. for Taiwan, who yep. is in the San Francisco Giants system. Yeah. He is 6'4", 260. And struck out 169 batters in 136 innings last year. Mm-hmm. ERA wasn't great and he walks too many guys. Mm-hmm. But if you're talking about like, I would imagine Velo over there in a pool that's probably not going to see a whole lot of pitches over even 91. Yeah. This guy, I think, I assume he'll get a start. Yeah, I'm not sure I against so. two. 
But yeah. he could really just rack up some strikeouts if yes. he's locked in. And I'm glad you mentioned uh, Taiwan because that there's one other player that I definitely wanted to mention on the Taiwanese team, which is Lee Lin. Uh, Lee Lin just won the Triple Crown um, in the CPBL last season. Uh, now that's with only 14 home runs because I believe they dejuiced the ball and nobody was hitting homers anymore. Uh, but he's by far the best uh, position player that they have that they've had in that league at quite some time. And I know we've we've spent you know normally of course the players that come over from from Japan and Korea get a lot more attention because those leagues are much stronger. But offensively, Lee Lin is definitely the guy that you maybe not have heard of that could could definitely make some noise in this tournament. And that's the thing, you know, they might not have as many recognizable names, but they are still hosting and they do have a, a rich baseball history and they could easily win this pool as well. And they got us through the beginning of COVID, Jordan. Monkeys and the over, baby. Monkeys and the over, baby. Take the monkeys and the over. Uh, there, There is one other guy I want to mention before we move on to our next pool. We'll take a break. And that is uh, another uh, guy on Team Italy. And that is Alessandro Ercolani. Do you know about Alessandro Ercolani? No. Uh, no, you don't know about him? What? What the hell? Wow. You clearly didn't do your homework. So if you look at... Now, what is obvious when you look at the, the team, uh, you know, Team Italy is you got a bunch of dudes uh, born in New Jersey, right? <laughs> At least the United States, you, right? It's not... You mean you mean Italy? <laughs> oh, yes, yes, Italy. Sorry, same Italy, thing, right? New Jersey. Yeah, so when you go to Team Italy and you say, okay, well, how many of these guys were actually born in Italy? And they do have some, they do have some, but Alessandro Ercolani was actually born in San Marino. Uh, but it's not just that he was born in San Marino, it's the fact that he was signed by the Pittsburgh Pirates a couple years ago and was absolutely dominant in the complex league this past summer as an 18-year-old with a 1-1-9 ERA in 30 innings. And I don't know where this dude, I assume this guy was training in, like, are there, is there a baseball field in San Marino? I think there is a team there. I believe that San Marino has Oh, in the, the, in the Italian league, in the Italian yes, league. Yes, I believe there is a San Marino team in the Italian league. And yes. baseball in San Marino is like big-ish deal. There you go. In the context so, of Italy. So there you go. Um, but yes, uh, this is this is an 18-year-old Alessandro Ercolani who um, is just in the Pirates organization. And and I, I don't know how high he is on the pitching depth chart, but I would love to see this dude get some innings just to see what it looks like uh, because that is a great example of just globalization of the game that is so freaking cool. So as much as we will obviously we, – we, we love Vinny Pasquantino and – you know, Festa and all these guys that are, you know, uh, Italian Americans, but the, the the true the true Italians, and in this case, the San Marinans. How do you say that? San. What do you call someone from San Marino? I don't know. It'll be on the internet if you really want to find out. <laughs> okay. I was like, hmm, what do you call San? Marino? Uh, but yes, I'm, San I'm Mar- excited about it. San Marin San Marinese. Ooh, all right. There you go. Well, there you go. If if Ercolani comes in the game, we will definitely learn that in a hurry. Jordan, who do you got coming out of this pool? Let's give some picks before we take a quick break. Oh my God, this is this is these are the hardest picks by far. So, I am going to go with Taiwan and Italy. I'm going to go with Italy and Cuba in that order. Okay. Um, I, it could, I could literally be Panama would be the only one I'd be surprised by. Um, but super tough to say. Uh, all right. That is pool A. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with pool B in Japan. 
Negro Leagues Baseball Museum President Bob Kendrick hosts the SiriusXM original podcast, Black Diamonds. The Negro Leagues didn't care what color you were, and they didn't care what gender you were. Can you play? Hear stories of the leagues and legends that shaped sport, culture, and society. That's why the museum is so important. It's like, we are never going to forget you. Episodes of the award-winning Black Diamonds are now available wherever you get your podcasts. We're not talking about balls and strikes. We're talking about your life. And we're back here on Baseball Barbacast. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. When you're a little child, they don't let you in the big pool. They push you to the B pool, the baby pool. And that's what we are going to talk about now. But the B pool in the WBC has some Bs in it as babies and has some Bs in it as big boys. Who are the five clubs here? Big big boss man. Uh, Yes, the five teams competing in the Tokyo Dome in Pool B will be, of course, Samurai Japan. Uh, one of the most incredible international baseball uh, teams, organizations we've ever seen. Also the only multi-time winner in the WBC. They will also be welcoming Team South Korea to Pool B, as well as Australia, whose hat I am wearing and who our producer Chris will, of course, be cheering for. The Czech Republic baseball team will be playing in this pool. Absolutely incredible. And Team China. Jake, before we get to the baseball, you have some very important numbers to share. Let's rank these teams by the number of McDonald's restaurants in their country. Coming in fifth, the Czech Republic with 110, Korea with 447, Australia in third with 981, Japan bringing up the rear with 2,900, and China in first place with 3,500 McDonald's locations, the second most McDonald's locations in the world behind New Jersey. <laughs> now, you know, if you, you're you tuning in for these games, you know, if China's playing, you're going to hear the broadcast. I believe our good friend Steven Nelson is, is broadcasting some of these games uh, for, I know, I guess that's the, on the international feed, I should mention. Um, but, you know, you'll hear on these broadcasts, you'll see them say, oh, you know, China, you know, they're not, they're not going to rank, you know, higher than any of these other teams, but they've got some grit and they're going to, they're going to, and, and then, but they should also notice that they also have the most McDonald's. Is that, is they have the most saying? McDonald's. Yeah, the most oh, uh, let's actually start with China because China is the worst team in the entire tournament. They are currently in Japan playing some warm-up games, losing to semi-professional teams uh, slash men's league teams. They are not good. Their pro league in China has been paused since the pandemic in 2019. And so they have not been playing in real games. Those guys have been scrimmaging. But there is no one on Team China that even a hardcore fan will have ever heard of. It is the true addicts like Jordan and I who know a couple of the names on China. But it is important to know that China is the worst team in this tournament. And that's kind of the shame of Pool B is that Australia, Czech Republic, and China are arguably the three worst, weakest teams in the whole tournament, and they all got sent to the same pool. Yeah. And I listen, I mean, there was going to be some amounts at some point along in this tournament, but I would also say that it does create the most dramatic upset potential. Uh, and this is, would be one of the main narratives I'm watching, which is will Japan or Korea lose a game that isn't against the other team? 
uh, because the idea of either the Czech Republic or China or Australia beating either Japan or Korea would be uh, simply one of the biggest upsets in, in, you know, international baseball history. You know, Australia beating Korea doesn't sound like that big of a deal. You know, Australia has won games on the international stage before, but this is a weaker Australia team than we've seen in the past. And so it would be uh, fairly surprising. But yeah, that that it does it does create a big imbalance. And with, with two teams coming out of the pool, like it would be absolutely stunning if it is not Japan and Korea. Now, at the same time, what it also what this also uh, brings up, not just the upset potential, it brings up something that we've talked about when we've been talking about the WBC leading up to it, is the notion of the talent gap. And that you don't, you simply do not get to see baseball games played between this level of disparity of talent and experience in a real competitive environment ever. And so the fact that Shohei Otani is going to pitch against Team China in the first game later this week will be one of the more <laughs> um, just <laughs> biggest differences between hitter and pitcher skill that, that I we really have ever seen. Um, and with all due respect, to, I mean, these they're, they are playing professional baseball in China. I realize that, right? But like, it will be unlike anything they have ever seen, let alone when Yoshinobu Yamamoto or Roki Sasaki pitches against the dudes with day jobs in the Czech Republic and their story is absolutely amazing. This is just an incredible, incredible opportunity for them. They know exactly what they're going into and that alone will be worth watching because it will just be a fascinating, almost uh, experiment of, of baseball matchups. Let's get into what we care about the most in this pool. And it is pretty simple for me. Otani. Otani getting to play at home in Japan in front of, of Japanese baseball fans. He hit two home runs in an exhibition while you and I were sleeping overnight, I believe. And the crowd was incredible. And it's it's just so cool to see him get to go home and play in front of all these people who haven't gotten to watch him play baseball since he left. I mean, you think we're freaking out about Otani. Oh my God. They, <laughs> I mean, like, it's it's not even fucking close, right? Like, it's not even the Angels fan. Okay, this isn't about Angels fans. There's no version of any amount of adoration that anyone in America could give to him that they have been giving him while he's been over in America being the best player, but let alone being able to do it at home. It's just, it's unbelievable. And also why, like, there was no way in hell he wasn't going to go play in this. Like, it is just, it is too, it means too much to too many people for him to skip, skip out on this opportunity. And it will be absolutely sensational to watch. And it already is if he, you know, homering twice in exhibition games. Like, it is, it will be unlike, uh, really, I can't think of any any comparison like that. Right? Because we just don't have, the, the, of course, Americans, Americans love Team USA and they'll say, oh, Nolan Arnauto, it means so much more to play for, No. This is completely different for a million reasons, and it is it will be ridiculously cool to see. If the U.S. wins the WBC, it will not be the front page headline of the New York Times. Yeah, yeah, and and in Japan, it it will. Yeah, well, every everything that he will be doing yeah. will be the first thing. I mean, listen, you see, you know, there's 500 Japanese media members following around in America. Where do you think all that news is going? It's it's going right back home and it is amazing. So Japan is, is Otani is the story. I mean, Darvish is just like now a like a side story. I mean, he's also one of the most important players in Japanese history, and he will also be pitching for them, which will be which will be very cool. And I and I believe Darvish will be the one pitching against Korea in the second game. And that that is going to be the game to watch in this in this uh, pool for sure. 
Um, very much looking forward to that. Um, the other biggest story here is that Lars Nupar and Tommy Edmund are going to be playing in this pool. Uh, Tommy Edmund uh, for Team Korea and Lars Nupar for Team Japan. And I love this because I don't know how much you followed their kind of going over there and, and starting to play these exhibitions. Like, it is so funny and ridiculously cool to watch them be treated like the best baseball players in the world, right? And there's no version on them on the same team. They are teammates on the Cardinals, but there's no version as good as they are and as, as many you know fantasy baseball dorks want to hype up Lars Nupar. There's no version where you know at Bush Stadium people are losing their mind over Nupar and Edmund the way that they always will over Wainwright and Goldschmidt and Arenado, et cetera, et cetera. And for them to get to go over there and be just singular international superstars is so cool. And also they're really good and Kevin could have a huge role in helping both of these teams go far in this tournament. And that's why they were added to the roster. I don't think, yeah, neither of these teams have ever had players born outside of their countries play for them. We haven't seen Japanese Americans or Korean Americans go and play based upon, you know, their heritage and their ancestors and their their grandparents. Like we just haven't had that. And so for these two guys to do that is really cool. And for those federations, those baseball federations to recognize, hey, uh, Tommy Edmund playing second base for us is probably a good thing. Let's go get him. That is very, very cool. Let's the other last narrative I, I want to bring up is just how dominant will Team Japan be? Because if they're winning games against Czech Republic like five to three, people will be mad. <laughs> like, you know, they need to be <laughs> totally putting agree. the yeah. fear of God into some of these other bad teams. Yes, because the thing about Team Japan that you have to understand is, I mean, Otani is going to, whatever, this is a 65 pitch limit in the first game. So he's probably going to throw three innings, four innings, whatever. Uh, hopefully he'll hit. So that'll be cool. Um, but like, <laughs> This roster is ridiculous. It's so much more than Otani and Darvish. It is all the best players in Japan, which is easily the second best league in the world. So many of these players who can could be succeeding in MLB right now if they weren't playing in an NPB and will hopefully come over in, in coming years. And that is what gives them... I mean, the, I, previewing the pitching, I wrote about the pitching uh, you know, for Fox Sports, just like previewing it. They have, in addition to Otani and Darvish, they have... I believe eight pitchers who have started and succeeded in NPB recently. So like they have, it's just the amount of innings that they're going to be able to cover, let alone they have all, of course, all the best relievers and all the best hitters. And it's, it's nuts. It's nuts. And so they should have no trouble in this, but to your point, right? Like they should dominate. They should run rule every game. That's, that's a high standard to hold. It's baseball. It's four games. Anything could happen, I guess. But I would imagine they should, they should really steamroll their non-Korean competition. Best lineup, Japan. Best pitching. Yep. Japan. Yeah. Good? Yep. Did it? Yep. Easily. Yep. Obviously. Cool. Uh, and they have all the best players. I mean, <laughs> it is interesting where you would slot in Newt Barr and Edmund relative to the Japanese players because we don't – like we, we've seen Tommy Edmund be a four-win player in, in MLB and we've seen, you know, Lars Newt Barr be a well-above-average hitter. So I think that part is also really interesting. Um, I mean, Edmund – dude, Edmund and Hassan Kim up the middle is – as sexy as it gets in terms of a, a double play combination in this tournament. Uh, that'll be super fun. Who is the best player not on Korea or China? Or sorry, Korea or Japan? <laughs> Korea or best Japan? Best player not on China. Um, China, oh, Australia, man. Czech Republic. Who's the best player? 
Aaron Whitefield. Uh, okay, so yeah, we can talk about Australia for a little bit. Eric Sogard is playing for uh, Czech Republic. That is certainly an interesting story to watch. Um, I guess this is a good transition to some of the other players on those teams that you've not heard of. I don't know if they're necessarily the best players. Um, oh, you have a name? You have a name for me? Liam Spence. Liam Spence is an interesting one. He was at least a very good D1 college player uh, relatively recently. How about um, the, the one that, that has, has caught some attention is a guy named Marek Klup on the Czech Republic team. He's one of the best hitters in Division II baseball right now, hitting over 500 for North Greenville University. Will now be heading over to Japan. I'm sure they're not super thrilled about that, but they're not going to tell Marek not to go be batting fourth in the WBC. Um, so that's a good one. Another name that I, I really like is Rickson Wingrove, uh, who is a 6'6", 250-pound first baseman for Australia, who was with the Phillies organization for a while in the Derek Hall mold. He just... Didn't quite hit enough. Yeah. Chris, could you do me a quick favor if you're there, Chris? Could you come on and just say the name Rickson Wingrove in your accent for us? <laughs> Rickson Wingrove. There we go. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. That, that was much you're better. You're welcome. I shouldn't even bother upsetting it. But yeah, that's a good point. I don't know who the best who the best player. Uh, what we're gonna find out. We are going to find out. I don't Jordan, know tell me who it is. The last player I want to mention under our category of guy you don't know who isn't good but is fun is Chris Oxspring, who mm. will be the oldest player in the entire tournament at the age of 35 years old. 45. He, sorry, 45 years old. Not 35. <laughs> 35 there is are, old for a baseball player. There are a lot of 35-year-olds in this tournament, though, and there is only one 45-year-old, and that is Chris Oxspring, who I believe this will be his fifth WBC, if Chris I am Oxspring, correct. I think he's the only one that has pitched in all of them he threw in five major league games for the san diego padres in 2005 and that is his only taste of major league baseball he was an indie baller starting in 2000 he was in affiliated ball until about 2011 and then since then some time in the kbo some time in indie ball, some a lot of time in the Australian Baseball League, and at the age of 45, he will be in the WBC for presumably the final time. Jordan, give me one name of a player that a lot of people might not know who can absolutely bop. Yeah, so I mean, both the Korean and Japanese teams have some really exciting hitters. Munitaka Murakami, the first baseman for Japan, who just hit 56 homers, which was the record for a Japanese-born player. Uh, of course, that actual record belongs to uh, Vladimir Valentin, who is also in this tournament, who once hit 60 in an NPB season. But yeah, Murakami, I mean, he's one of the best hitters, maybe the best hitter in the world that is not playing in MLB. Uh, hopefully he'll be over here in a couple of years. But then Jung-Hoo Lee, uh, the outfielder for Team Korea, he will be very, very likely to be coming over after this season. Was teammates with Hassan Kim on the Kiwom Heroes. Just an amazing athlete. Uh, one of the more beautiful swings you're going to see in this entire tournament. And just a super duper fun player to watch. So that's the other guy to watch. And then, and then I got to mention my man, Beck Ho, Beck Ho Gung, who had a terrible season for KT, for the KT Wiz this past season. He was mostly injured, but he was looking like you know, Korean Raphael Devers before he got injured. And I, if he's healthy and he is in the lineup, I hope he has a moment during this tournament to remind everyone why we were so excited about him. So wanted to shout out Beko as well. Now, obviously the game to watch here will be Japan, <clears throat> excuse me, Japan against Korea, easily the two best teams in this pool. I'm excited to watch Japan against China to see if Japan can get to triple digit runs. <laughs> 
The question I have for you, Jordan, will Japan or Korea lose to any of the other teams? Um, no. Oh, dude. I mean, the, the Korean team is they, they had a, a pretty disappointing showing in uh, in the Olympics, uh, which I remember being like, oh, shit, like this is they, they should be way better than these teams. And they, they lost some of those games. So I hope they don't I hope they don't choke it. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say that those teams will will make it out of this pool easily. And then and then, yeah, against against the winner of pool A will be absolutely fascinating. Who finishes third? Who finishes third? I am going to say Czech Republic. I think Czech Republic, and I encourage everyone to go watch the documentary um, that MLB put out on them. There's like a short, there's like a nine minute version. There's a 30 minute version. Just incredible stuff like this. And I know, um, I, I believe Michael Clare wrote it. Our good friend Michael Clare wrote that. So give give that a look. The, their story deserves way more <laughs> more attention. But they were the surprise winner or qualifier in the in the European uh, qualifiers, and they are going to be very fun to root for. It's not a situation where it's like, oh, this minor league baseball player didn't make enough money, so they need to, you know, drive Uber on the side. Like, no, no, no. These are semi-professional baseball players who are not good enough to do this for a living, who have to have real jobs because they aren't good enough at baseball and they live in the Czech Republic, right? And now they're going to go play against <laughs> Samurai Japan in the Tokyo Dome. Uh, Godspeed, Marek Kloop. We wish you the best. All right, we're going to take another quick break and we'll be back with Pool C. And welcome back to Baseball Barbacast. Jake Mintz, Jordan Schusterman. We are halfway home through our WBC mega preview. Jordan, let's jump in the sea pool. The ocean is a pool if you really think about it. The sea is a its own large pool. Mm, and that makes sense because pool C is big. It is, but it's also in the desert. <laughs> so, I don't know how many uh how much uh, how many bodies of water you're really going to have access to in Phoenix, Arizona, but the point is is that this pool, pool C, being held at Chase Field, I am very excited about this one because while of course Team USA is the headliner, I do believe that there is enough in this pool that could challenge them in a way that I do not feel is possible for Team Japan. That while, yes, the USA lineup is completely nuts, there is enough talent beyond Team USA that could make things interesting. Beyond the US, we have Team Mexico, we have Team Canada, Team Colombia, and the Brits, Team Great Britain will be in this pool as well. Uh, Jake, start us off with some very important information. The national birds of each of these countries, USA is the bald eagle. Mexico is the golden eagle. So right. basically, hey, US, nice, nice hairless eagle. <laughs> Ours is gold. Canada has something called the Canada Jay, which I would imagine is related to the blue jay. Hmm. Colombia has the Andean condor. Oh, wait, no, I might have messed that up. That what? might actually be for Panama. Oh no! Second. Oh yeah. no! You what? I, no, what? no, I'm good. I'm good. Oh. It's it's the Indian condor. Oof. It's oh, the I can't same. You almost lied to me about the national bird. I don't know if I would have been able to continue. Ecuador, Bolivia, Chile, and Colombia all have the same national bird. So that oh, bird must doesn't that defeat rule. the purpose. What are we doing? Yeah, it's good. I mean, we have that's the like same a regional bird. Like, what, what are we doing? <laughs> don't we have the same national flag as Malaysia? Basically, any you know. <laughs> So it's like, 
yeah, true. It's all the same. Uh, it, no, no one is no idea is original. I think is what we're going. <laughs> so we're going for there. And then Great Britain has the European Robin, otherwise known as Robin Van Persie. What in this group do we care about the most, Jordan? What are we really focused on? What are we interested in? I think it's what I just kind of described. Like the Team USA lineup is truly ridiculous. And and I for all the attention on the the Dominican lineup, which we'll get to, you know, they've had some more dropouts with Jose Ramirez and then Vlad Jr. most recently, where now the, the USA lineup is just totally over the top insane. I think it might be helpful to literally go through Please. that lineup for people. Yes. Yes. The catching options are GT, JT Real Muto, Will Smith, and for some reason, Kyle Higashioka, who has parlayed <laughs> his friendship with Garrett Cole all the way to the WBC. Incredible stuff for him. Any thoughts on those? Uh, no, I mean, you, so you have Real Muto and, and Will Smith, so whatever, two of the five best catchers, obviously the best catcher. Okay, so you have Real Muto. Then at first base, you have Paul Goldschmidt or Pete Alonso. Pete Alonso probably will not be playing much in the field, um, but okay, so we'll have we'll have him. Uh, second base, we have Jeff McNeil, or I guess Bobby Witt Jr. if he gets injured. Shortstop, we have Trey Turner or Tim Anderson. Uh, third base, we have Nolan Arenado. Uh, and then in the outfield, this is really what sets this team apart now, and what sets it apart certainly for 2017 is as cool as 2017 was, there was no Mike Trout and there was no Mookie Betts. Well, now there are. Now there's Mike Trout and there's Mookie Betts in the outfield um, to go along with Kyle Schwarber, Kyle Tucker, Cedric Mullins um, as well. So now not all those guys are going to get to play. But again, when you talk about a lineup that has Arenado, Goldie, Betts, Trout, Real Muto, Alonzo, um, Trey Turner, it's not – I this is the best lineup. It's not – I don't think it's complicated. It is better than the Dominican lineup. Now what the bottom half of the Dominican lineup is – it is totally the, one of the best we've ever seen in this tournament. And uh, now it's still hitting. Hitting is hard, and it's four games. So I guess they could all, you know, be bad at the same time. But on paper, I can't imagine having it much better than this. It's just ridiculous. So, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. if you go through the WRC plus rankings mm-hmm. from last year, okay, and you take a look at the best hitters in the world, in the MLB, in the MLB. In MLB, the shame. only guy really shame me. The only guy really missing is Aaron Judge. Yep. You could argue like, okay, Austin Riley maybe should be here, but it's not as if they you wouldn't plucked. have played him over Arenado. Like, right, exactly. And I guess if you keep scrolling down, Bregman not being here, sure, is maybe an omission. He played, and he played last time, right? I mean, this, you know, the, the, again, like you could always add more. There's only so many spots in the lineup to play these guys. This is at pretty close to maximum capacity offensively. But what is the thing to watch in this pool is that the pitching is not exactly that. (laughs) There are more than your fair share of the best American pitchers in the game that will not be uh, suiting up for Team USA, which leaves them with a rotation consisting of some combination of Adam Wainwright, Miles Michaelis, Lance Lynn, Merrill Kelly, Kyle Freeland, Brady Singer. Uh, and if you're like, oh, that, that's not very good. Now, they did not have the best rotation in 2017, and they still won rather easily. That was like Drew Smiley and Stroman, and, you know, uh, I think it was uh, – who was the the other guy that – I think it was – Danny oh, Duffy. Right, well, what did you say? Danny Duffy. Yeah, Danny Duffy was in that. So it's like they don't need – when your lineup's this good, presumably they shouldn't need it. 
But it does make it a little interesting because the pitching on some of these other teams might actually be more impressive on the starting side of things. And that is what I am most looking forward to and thinking the most about is Adam Wainwright, 57-year-old starter for the St. Louis Cardinals, who this past week was throwing, topping out at 86 miles an hour in a spring training game. I understand he's maybe getting ready and he's a wily vet and he's building up. He's going to have to pitch against Great Britain. I think he's either going to throw like eight scoreless. Actually, no, that's impossible because there's pitch count. <laughs> 65 pitches, he's right? Either, yes. He's yeah. either going to carve or he's going to get obliterated. And I do think that that is the game that presents like – I, the Mexico game and the Great Britain game are the two that I'm the most worried about for the U.S. I just think that some of the guys on Great Britain could just time up Adam Wainwright and take him deep because in the big leagues, Adam Wainwright is hitting spots – below hitting velocity that yep. hitters are used to. Whereas these players on Great Britain, where they play, whether it's the low minors or college baseball or indie ball, are seeing mid to high 80s regularly, right? And so I think that that might present a bit of a problem for Wainwright. Yeah, so that'll be fascinating. Again, the starters and pool play are only going to go so deep. But if if Great Britain is going to pull off an upset in this tournament, it is. I mean, that might weirdly be their best option. But again, it might not matter because whoever's pitching for Great Britain might get completely smashed by the by the U.S. lineup. Marcus Stroman was the MVP of the 2017 tournament. And if you want a kind of a down roster guy who could Stroman this tournament, for me, it's Brady Singer. Yeah. Because he has pitched in these types of tournaments many times in college at the University of Florida. He was a legendary postseason pitcher there. He works quick, gets a lot of early contact. And that's why Stroman was kind of the story because he went deeper into games because he may, he's not striking as many guys out. And so he's getting guys out earlier in counts, saving his pitches. I think Singer could be that similar type of guy. Totally agree. And and it'll be interesting, you know, do they choose to bring a, a guy back? Do they just go a different pitch? Because seven is the most games you can play. So realistically, you could have a different starter in every game and maybe they add some guys later on in the, in the tournament that, that, that aren't on here. But I agree with you. I think Singer is, is absolutely the breakout pick because it's not like any of these hitters are going to get more famous because of this because of this tournament. I, I guess I could be wrong. I, maybe I'm underestimating how much people love cheering for Team USA. I probably am. And so like if... You know, if even like Bobby Witt Jr. hits like a pinch hit, you know, game winning double, like people think he's like an American hero now, like that honestly is very possible. Uh, or Cedric Mullins maybe is is maybe a better like maybe Cedric Mullins like has like a stolen base in the semifinal that like is the thing that propels them over the, a win against Japan or something like that. That could be fun. But in general, it's like the hitters. We, we know all these guys. They're all some of the best hitters in the league. How legit is Mexico, Jordan? I am super excited to watch this Mexican team. Not only do they have one of the best pitchers in the whole tournament, Julio Urias. Now, I know he can only, again, they're going to have to get out of pool play to really get, I think, the maximum value of him later on in the knockout round when his pitch count can be higher. But the rest of the rotation is pretty good. You know, Sandoval, Jose Arquiti, Taiwan Walker. Bullpen is definitely a little bit light, but like this offense is pretty freaking fun, right? You got Joey Manessis, who, as far as we know, is one of the best hitters in MLB. That's all I've seen. <laughs> that's all I've seen. So that's all I've seen is that he's one of the best hitters in LV. So he's the obvious headliner. Yeah, uh, people are mad about Aaron Judge not playing in the WBC. <laughs> well, I have another guy with a 
career 165 OPS plus. <laughs> exactly. So Joey Menez, as far as I know, is, is, is one of the best hitters in the league. So that's a good one to start. But you have Randy Rosarena in there. You have Luis Urias in there. You have Jonathan Arana. You have Verdugo, Rowdy, Rowdy Telez, and Isaac, uh, Isak Paredes. Like, these are all like above average major league hitters, more than enough to put up enough runs against all these other pitching staffs. Um, I, I just like this team a lot. Again, the bullpen is really thin beyond uh, Giovanni Gallegos and I guess like Luis Sessa. So that would be my biggest concern, particularly in pool play when the starters can only go so far. But I, I just like this team. I, I, I mean, I think Canada is also being underrated, but I, I like this, this Mexican team. I think they are pretty legit. Hilarious narrative to follow. Who is America's best neighbor? Mm. You at uh, Canada versus Mexico. Something to keep. I know. Mind. I know you well. So right. So U.S. versus Mexico in soccer, yeah. and U.S. versus Great Britain in soccer is a big deal. You I, is U.S. versus Canada in soccer ever a big deal? I don't. It, <laughs> I it was that. not until Canada got really good and beat the U.S. in qualifiers a bunch this past. Well, there you go. So here, but here's here's what I'm watching in terms of is like I think that all the jokes will be about or the focus will be on U.S. Mexico, U.S. Great Britain. I really do think that Canada is the team. That with the right starter. Now they have Cal Quantrill, who's also like quietly one of the best starting pitchers <laughs> in this pool. Um, like Cal Quantrill, I'd rather have him starting certainly than Wainwright. Um, their starting pitching is pretty thin beyond that. But like the Canada lineup is also really fun. They certainly have, you know, Freddie Freeman, of course, but they have some really exciting younger players. Uh, Denzel Clark, a prospect, Owen Casey, a prospect, Edouard Julien, a prospect, Bo Naylor. Like they they have an interesting combination of like Freddie Freeman, who's like the guy, the veteran, whatever, and then a bunch of guys like under the age of 27. Tyler O'Neill. Like, how many times are we gonna see Tyler O'Neill's Canada tattoo <laughs> during this tournament? I'm sure he's very excited uh, to be a part of this, uh be a part of this qualifier and or this this pool. And yeah, I'm I'm just Canada, I'm worried about the pitching beyond like Brash and um and Quantrill, but I don't know. I think Canada is 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 a sneaky Sneaky upset that the U.S. should be a little bit a little bit worried about, I would say. Best pitching rotation. We already talked about the best lineup. It's the U.S. by a, a long shot. I actually still think the U.S. has the best pitching in this pool. Yeah. Just well, because, we didn't talk about the bullpen. I mean, the bullpen is still pretty, pretty crazy. Well, yeah, that's that's the thing, right? Is that a lot of these teams, basically every team but the U.S. and the Dominican has relievers that don't play in the big leagues. Okay, and that is a recipe for disaster. Yeah. All right. I mean, Puerto Rico is the other team that has a big yeah. quality bullpen. We'll get to them. But yeah, in general, yes, that is the bullpens, especially in pool play. Again, when you can only use your starters so much is going to determine so much of, of this first round. Jason Adam, Daniel Barr, David Bednar, Kendall Graveman, Nick Martinez, Adam Adovino, Ryan Presley, Brooks Raley, and Devin Williams. Like that's that's the best bullpen in baseball. Like in the MLB, if that's in them, what is happening to me? That's the best bullpen in the big leagues right now if they're a bullpen. So I still yeah. think they have the best pitching, but Mexico, I think, undoubtedly has a better rotation. Yeah, it's not as deep because after those four, I don't really know who they're turning to, whereas the U.S. does have seven major league starters, especially if you count Nick Martinez. Um, but yeah, I, that's the thing. I, I, I'm really struggling to know how much to weigh the starting pitching with the pitch count rule in the first round. I, I really don't know. 
Because, and we'll get to this with Venezuela, like you might just piggyback guys. And so then it really doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, best t- uh, players in this pool that are not on Team USA. So Freddie Freeman and, and Urias are, are the obvious ones. I think Randy Rosarena is another one. Um, there's one team we have not mentioned at all yet, and that is Team Colombia. Uh, let's talk about the Colombian lineup, which I think is honestly also quietly pretty solid. Yeah. You have the likes of Jorge Alfaro. You have Harold Ramirez, who was really good for the Rays last year. Oscar Mercado, who's been in the big leagues. Uh, Gio Urshela, who was really good for the Twins last season. So that's another lineup that I could see being, you know, putting up some runs against some weaker pitching. If this team was in Taiwan, I would like them real, like to get out of the group, maybe. Mm-hmm. They have no chance in this pool, in my opinion. Yeah. We're going to need Nabil to really show up with a, <laughs> with a performance of a lifetime. <laughs> Every day is Chrismat. Uh, Jordan, who are some guys that people don't know who can really play? So, uh, Edward Julien is, is certainly one that I, I know you're excited about. I'll let you talk about him. But the two guys on Great Britain I, I wanted to mention, one of them, so, you know, Great Britain – a big part of their team, too, is that because of the rules about uh, who's eligible, they have a lot of players from the Bahamas. And while they will not have Jazz Chisholm playing, they will have a couple of players who are in the minors and who are uh, legitimate prospects. And one of them that I'm really excited about is BJ Murray, who I believe made it up to double A with the Cubs. He just won the most recent uh, Bahamian home run derby uh, down there. We'd not get to go this year, but that's, of course, uh, Bahamian baseball, something we've become very close uh, to over the last few seasons. And BJ Murray is someone that uh, a friend of the show, recent guest, uh, Pete Armstrong, mentioned as, as one of his Cubs teammates that he's really excited about. Um, so that is uh, definitely a name that I'm excited about. And I know you also are a big fan of one Justin Wiley, who is also in this. I know I don't believe he is with a major league team right now, but I know you think he should be. Justin Wiley uh, played at the University of Arizona, where he, in his senior season, hit 342, 449, 634, and did not get a look. Played indie ball, was fine. Pandemic happened. The last two years in indie ball for the New Jersey Jackals, he has been like one of the best players in the Frontier League with a an OPS over 900 both of those years. He can really, really, really hit. And for him, like he's playing to try and get a shot in pro ball or in affiliated ball. And so I'm interested to see how he does. Right. Like Justin Wiley, you know, turning around 96 off a big league arm for a for an RBI double could just get him signed. You know, like, and that is really freaking cool, right? Of course, there's already, I mean, Harry Ford. There's other guys that can break out in a way that, like, they're already sort of known, but, like, more casual fans can find out who they are. But, like, some of these guys, like, they really are playing for for a contract. Um, I don't think that's the case for Profar, but that would also be, like, if Profar, that, that would be really funny. If Pro, I know we're jumping backwards. If Profar just, like, hits 800 with, like, five home runs, like, does he get signed during the tournament? Like, if he just goes off in pool play, does, does the team jump in and be like, whoa, wait a minute. We got to get this Profar guy. This That's guy's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty Who gets cool. signed first, Justin Wiley or Jerickson Profar? Uh, we'll find out. Yes. Uh, who is a guy that isn't going to play that much and is kind of mid, but we love very much? You want to talk about Kellen Deglin? Oh, Kellen Deglin. Now, Kellen Deglin at one point was, so he's, what, 30 years old now. I don't believe he is still on a team. I don't believe he will be starting behind the plate for Team Canada, as they also have uh, Bo Naylor, who, of course, they would prefer to be playing. But Kellen Deglin is used to be, he was a legit, like, real, real, real prospect 
you know, 10 years ago. He was coming up one of the better uh, amateur players to come out of uh, Canada uh, for quite some time. And he was in the, the Rangers organization, first round pick um, by the Rangers in 2010. He was on the Canadian national team for a long time. And it just, it just never quite clicked. And still, right, he still has not made it to the major leagues despite spending a ton of time in AAA over the last few seasons. There was a point during last year, or maybe it was the year before, where he was the bullpen catcher for the Yankees. He was basically transitioning into a bullpen catcher role. And then the Blue Jays needed a ca- an actual catcher in AAA and traded for him and he immediately homered in his first game. And I, I guess he was in AAA again with Toronto this past year, not hitting at all. I mean, he's he was <laughs> a terrible hitter last year uh, in, in, uh, in AAA. At this point, I would doubt he ever makes it to the big leagues, but um, he clearly has a future in this game, whether it's coaching, whether it's bullpen catcher, or whether it's something. But if he gets into these games, it would be very, very cool. Because um, he, he really was a, a at that time, as far as like Canadian baseball, was a very, very important name. Even though he hasn't panned out, I'm sure he's looking forward to representing them. Game to watch is U.S. against Mexico. I'm very excited to see that. Dosa Cero, that'd be great if it was literally two to zero at the end. Who gets out of this pool, Mr. Schusterman? <sighs> okay. I mean, it's, it's got to be. It's I still got to go with Mexico, but. Oh, it'd be so, it'd be so cool. I, don't sleep on Canada. I think Canada has a real, sh- I think Canada has a real chance here, but it's not quite as balanced as pool A, but I think this is way more balanced than we think. I'll take USA and Mexico. Let's take a quick break and we will be back with the final pool in the WBC Megapod. Hey, everybody. We are reaching the end of this enormous podcast. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. You are listening to Baseball Barbacast, but you already know that if you're still listening. Let's talk about DePool. This is DePool to watch as the Dominican Republic, Venezuela, Puerto Rico, Team Israel, and Nicaragua will be congregating in Miami, Florida for what could be (laughs) the spiciest pool in this entire tournament you say congregating but they need five more teams for a minion jordan oh beat me to it i was like uh should i force the minion joke in here or should i toss it up to jake for the minion alley-oop thank you for slamming that one home uh jake before we get to the baseball tell us about these five something about these five countries that we need to know here are the titles of all of their national anthems translated into english English. okay thank you (laughs) i don't Although I will, I will say these are the two languages that I have the best grasp of other than English. That's true. It's a good point. But still, no. Uh, the DR, it is God, Homeland, and Freedom. Three of my favorites, I'll tell you. I just say I, I love it when they play it before the, the Winter League games. It's a little long. It's a little long. But it's great. It hits. Jordan Schusterman says that the Dominican <laughs> anthem needs an editor. It, it, uh, it's really just me wanting to... Start the Lee Dome game already. Yeah. <laughs> Puerto Rico, the song of Borinquen. Boricua is another name for the people of Puerto Rico. That one's pretty straightforward. Uh, Israel, the hope. Or as, you know, Jordan and I know, considering that we went to Jewish day school growing up, Hatikva. Uh, Nicaragua is hail to thee, Nicaragua. But my favorite for Venezuela, glory to the brave people. Mm. These are all great. 
um, <laughs> to the Nicaragua is outstanding. And honestly, like that sounds like that's in terms of intimidation factor that really might might hit hard in, in Lone Depot Park. Hail to the Nicaragua. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, glory to the brave people. You're right. That is pretty intense. Um, and also like <laughs> it's interesting because we're, we're so used to Hatikva, the hope, uh, the hope. This is the hope. The hope is, is still real. Um I <laughs> do we think he'll be watching this uh, tournament? Uh, shouts out Rick Recht. I don't know. I, I I do think Glory to the Brave People is probably the best one. But I, I I'm I'm excited to watch and listen. I hope that these are part of the broadcast. By the way, like they are, you know, in the Olympics. I hope that we get to hear these these national anthems. I'm excited to see uh, the only two Israeli citizens. Or no, I'm kidding. Well, how many of the <laughs> how many of the Team Israel players can speak any Hebrew? That is a conversation for another time. But we Ironically, are excited. The, the answer is probably their best pitcher is the, <laughs> that's, that's the best part. Uh, we'll talk about Dean Kramer in a bit. All right. So what do we care the most about with this pool? So this one is, is fairly obvious, right? This is easily the most, should be the most fun one to watch for a lot of reasons. Environment-wise, this should be unmatched. I mean, Tokyo Dome is going to be unbelievable, obviously, right? But in terms of the meshing of the fans and the combination of the fans in one park and where it is and what that allows for to happen, this is by far this this especially compared to Arizona is just going to be a completely different level of environment. Can't wait. And it's perfectly Miami, right? Latins and Jews, baby. <laughs> Chilling at Lone Depot Park. It's going to be great. It is. It's going to be perfect. And also, uh, just the actual baseball potential here is so exciting. Yeah. DR and Venezuela alone as a headliner would be by itself. If those two were in the same pool anywhere, it would be one of the most important things to watch in the tournament. And instead, you get to add in, of course, a team in Puerto Rico that has been extremely relevant in the WBC. And then you add in a team in Team Israel and we are personally invested in in, in uh, a few goofy ways. And then Nicaragua, who is going to be playing, spoiler, in a way that is potentially, like, this is the pool, I'm skipping ahead here, this is the pool where the top three teams in Venezuela, DR, and Puerto Rico the team of that does not make it out, like, listen, I know we're not compared to the World Cup. I know it's not the same thing as like, oh, not qualifying. Oh my God, we got to fire this guy, fire that guy. The, people will be very, very upset with those three teams if they do not make it out in a way that I don't think exists in any of the other pools. I know they all want to win. I get it. But this is the one where those three teams all expect to both get out and go deep. And I believe that that team will be Puerto Rico because mm -hmm. I think they are weaker than people realize. Mm -hmm. And the manager of that team is Yadier Molina, who has not done a whole lot of managing. I know mm -hmm. that he managed in the Venezuelan Winter League over mm -hmm. the yep. offseason, but that's a little bit different than going from the Cardinals catcher to running this team on a day-to-day -day basis during the tournament. I'm... I've talked about how I'm a little concerned about that, and we will see how it pans out. Jordan, who has the best lineup in this pool? I mean, it's still, I think it's still the Dominican team, um, just because the top of the lineup is just, I, look, I know we just lost Vlad Jr., and we, we all we wish it was Jose Ramirez was playing, but you still have a top of the lineup that in some order is going to be 
Julio Rodriguez, Juan Soto, Manny Machado, Rafael Devers. Um, and that alone is pretty tough and pretty tough to top, let alone, I mean, that's before you get to Teoscar and Eloy and Jeremy Pena and, you know, Ketel Marte. Wander, I guess, is just going to be on the bench. Willie Adamas, right? This is just, the top end here is, is even more exciting than as good as the U.S. top of the lineup is. I'm more excited to tune in to watch Soto, Julio, Machado, Devers. Uh, wow. It's hard to imagine a team being more entertaining than this. Give me the contact merchants of Venezuela. Altuve, Arise, Andres Jimenez, Luis Rengifo, Eduardo Escobar. That smells like balls in play. And Acuna, right? So that's why it is interesting. That's why I think now, especially you, you move Vlad out of the way, I think you could still make an argument that this Venezuela team on balance could end up being better. Um, I think the ceiling with the DR is still, is still higher, but I agree with you, right? You, mentioned, you made that point with the, uh, with the Italian team. Like, <laughs> you should be putting a lot of balls in play uh, with, that, with that lineup. They have Salvi too, which I think is certainly better than Gary on multiple fronts. So that's an upgrade. Now, I will say, let Miggy, let Miguel Cabrera start against Nicaragua and Israel. He can't go anywhere near a bat against Puerto Rico or the Dominican. Because well, it'll be more interesting how much, how many at-bats combined does general manager Nelson Cruz and Robinson Cano get? That will be the other question, right? Because there's really no reason that those guys should ever be getting an at-bat, but they will, and I know they will. In That's a competitive fine. situation. In a competitive like, situation, right. If, if yeah. they're kicking Nicaragua's ass by like 15 runs, then whatever, you could give a fan an at-bat, it doesn't matter. Yeah, but no, but but that's true. But like with with the depth with the depth of of the DR bench, which is I also I I just think a little bit more impressive than um, Venezuela. But it's 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 much closer. It's much 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 closer. And let's talk about Puerto Rico here for a second because when they had Correa in there, now we're still thinking like okay okay now we got something. But the other thing to remember is that the last time we watched this team. We were over the moon about Javier Baez being one of the best players in the league. And I, it, listen, would it surprise me if Javier Baez is just amazing in this tournament? No, because he goes hot and cold with the best of them. And so maybe he does just show up and hit four home runs and makes all the best defensive plays and whatever. But it, it doesn't quite look like a sure thing. Oh my God, Baez, Lindor, Correa. Now it's Baez, Lindor, MJ Melendez? And like, that's not the same kind of intimidating lineup. MJ Melendez will probably hit second, third, or fourth on this team. He'll definitely be in the top four. Yeah. Right. Because beyond him, it's Eddie Rosario, you know, Nelson Velasquez, who got some time with the Cubs. I mean, Kike. Kike will probably be batting leadoff, but it's not like he's coming off a great season. Um, so yeah, I would imagine the lineup will be like Kike, Lindor, Baez, Melendez. Here and is then what, who's hitting yeah. fifth? Like, you know, Probably like uh, Emmanuel Rivera, I guess. Eddie Rosario. Like, yeah, there's a yeah. big drop off compared yeah. to what we've had in the past on this team. Yeah. So that's why I'm a little bit concerned. I mean, their rotation uh, is solid and their bullpen is really yes. good. So, so the, the pitching for Puerto Rico, you mentioned here's what I'm most interested in for the pitching of Puerto Rico. So you mentioned Yadi Molina. How is he going to 
How is he going to manage the bullpen? So the starters, it's going to be Stroman. It's going to be Jose Barrios. Stroman is now uh, pitching for Puerto Rico in honor of his mother, who was born in Puerto Rico. So you got Stroman and Barrios. And I know Barrios not exactly coming off a great season, but those two, great. Okay. Then you have Dom Hamill, who's one of the Mets' top prospects, who was good in A-ball last year, but still, it sounds like he's going to start the third game against Team Israel. And then after that, it's probably either Jose De Leon or Hector Santiago, who were both just amazing in the Puerto Rican Winter League, but like... Not feeling great about that. Maybe they have already won the first three games. What are you What are you saying about these these guys? And Derek Rodriguez, Derek Hudgens Rodriguez could who could also provide some length. Seems um, like a nice guy, but and this and so. But the bullpen, you got both Diaz brothers, you know Edwin and Alexis, which should be your eighth and ninth innings, and then just a bunch of twins relievers. You got Emilio Pagan in there. Uh, you've got Giovanni Moran. You got Jorge Lopez. Um, Yaxel Rios is another guy you could see. Dwayne Underwood, um, who's who's you know with the Pirates. But all of this is what I'm most interested with Puerto Rico. It's not just that Yadi Molina is managing. It's that Martin Maldonado is catching. And that you have Martin Maldonado, who is about as, as uh, personality-wise, like I am, I like trust Martin Maldonado so much. So, 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 so much. <laughs> Especially compared to like Gary, <laughs> right? Um, that like I, I and, and Christian Vasquez also on this roster, like I'm curious that dynamic in terms of managing the pitching staff, in terms of, you know, game calling, pitch calling, all these different things with Molina in the mix. Like, I am super fascinated to see how that dynamic plays out. Let's talk a little bit about Team Israel, who we obviously have somewhat of a soft spot for being members of the American Jewish community. And that is important because this roster, if you scroll by birth country, you will notice that it is mostly, predominantly, American Jews. There are, I believe, three players that I would consider Israeli of to some extent, and that's going to be, oh, I guess Asaf Lowenstein uh, was taken off the roster. So mm. there are two players I would consider Israeli. That is Shlomo Lippitz, who is 44 years old, has a gold tooth and a mullet, and you can expect a lot of words written about him by me on the internet very soon. And, of course, Dean Kremer, the pitcher for the Orioles, now, I will say, Jordan, I don't want to have a long conversation about the Arab-Israeli conflict, which I studied in college extensively, and I have a lot of conflicting thoughts about the state of Israel. Mm-hmm. However, I will be somewhat rooting for them in the tournament for sure, because like, we know a lot of these players personally, and as someone who has been a Jewish All-American and has been involved in the American Jewish baseball community, this team and that community have a ton of overlap. And so I am, you know, rooting for Rob Kaminsky and friend of the show, Alex Katz and former podcast guest Garrett Stubbs. Now, do I think they're going to make it out of and former podcast guest Ryan LaVarnway, right? Mm -hmm. Do I think they're going to make it out of the pool? No, no, I do not. Uh, However, this is some of the most impressive talent team Israel has ever put together for a tournament, if not the most impressive. Yeah. And honestly, like lineup wise, I mean, it's not bad. It's really not bad. I mean... Jock Peterson is is the headliner, and he's played for Team Israel before. But you know, you have these other guys. You know, we we know Stubbs will be a starter, but like guys that have performed either recently in the upper minors or in the big leagues 
not that long ago. That's Alex Dickerson. That's Matt Mervis, who's on the cusp of the big leagues with the Chicago Cubs. Um, Danny Valencia has become one of the, the funnier uh, faces of Israeli baseball recently, but he so qualifies like that. Zach Geloff is another one, an A's, a top A's prospect um, who I imagine will probably be getting a lot of uh, a lot of you know playing time in this tournament. And that's the thing. The, the question is just going to be the pitching. And I think the most fun thing with the Israeli pitching is I have absolutely no clue the sequence of who is going to pitch when other than that Dean Kramer is by far the best pitcher. When do you start him? But like beyond him, who knows? Like when they call to the bullpen, when they say so, they got someone warming, it could be anybody. And I love that. That is that is what is going to be super uh, fun to watch with Team Israel. Like who's the second best pitcher on Team Israel? Probably Richard Blyer, right? Yeah, I think Richard Blyer uh, in terms of right recent Major League success. I mean, listen, like Robert Stock. <laughs> I mean, Robert Stock is an interesting name. Um, it is really funny. Like this is not surprising, but like how many of these people follow us on Twitter is insane. Like that overlap. And that shouldn't surprise anybody listening or surprise us. But like just I'm like scrolling through this list. It's like, oh, Jake Fishman. Oh, Rob Kaminsky. Oh, yeah. oh you know what I mean? It's just like it's it's a bunch of uh, it's a, it's the whole mishpucha. Yeah, we got, of course, Mike Wolanski, who went to College of Worcester, where I went to school. Like he's he's on this team, too. And like, I mean. I, I, here's a, a fun name. I don't know how much you know about Daniel Fetterman. Do you, um, I don't know if you remember Daniel Fetterman. So he's actually in the Orioles system now. He was the closer for the University of Miami. So him pitching in this tournament in Marlins Park, I'm sure is very cool from the Miami area. Um, so he'll, he's probably, I imagine, a guy. He was, you know, in, in A ball last year with the Orioles. But yeah, I just have no clue how the pitching is going to line up whatsoever. And a very uh, impressive bench. Ian Kinsler, Brad Osmus, Kevin Euclid. Wow, we. I was going to say the, the 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 coaching staff uh, could go a long way to helping this team Israel to to some to some upsets. But to that point, like they know what they're going into, and for them and uh, and Team Nicaragua, like they will be playing spoiler in a way that is is pretty pretty amazing and pretty. Um, unique i would say because of how much focus on those top three teams there will be justifiably uh and it'll be it'll be fascinating and all those all none of these games i mean and and then even team israel versus versus nicaragua will be an an amazing opportunity right because again like so much about this you, you guys like have to remember is just like for these some of these smaller teams it's not necessarily about winning the whole thing it's about winning a game in the world baseball classic yeah. And some of these weaker teams will have the opportunities to do that when they play, you know, the other teams in, in, in their pool that maybe aren't as strong. And that is just the coolest thing ever. Uh, and I am very excited for every single game in this pool. Of course, the headliner is is Venezuela and, and uh, DR, which is, I think, the first one. Um, but there's so many, so many to get to. Um, anything else? There was one other guy I wanted to shout out, but is there anything else uh, you you had in this pool? Nope. Uh, the one other guy I wanted to mention, just because Nicaragua, we didn't mention too much. They have a pitcher named Carlos Rodriguez, um, who was a sixth round pick by the uh, by the Brewers out of a, a junior college in 2021. But he's from Miami, born in Nicaragua, though, and like a legit pitching prospect. And so I know Nicaragua on the mound does not exactly have a ton of guys that you are uh, used to seeing. But, you know, you'll you know, you still got uh, our man uh, Erasmo, right? Erasmo, I'm sure, can can shuck six scoreless out of nowhere. Um, so there's some recognizable names. But I, I can imagine Carlos Rodriguez coming in at some point and everyone being like, holy shit, who's this guy? And then you're like, oh, he's just a Brewers prospect. So now, you know. 
So I'm sure that'll be very cool for him to pitch in this pool. Uh, all right, Jake, who you got? Who you got coming out of this one? You sticking with uh, DR in Venezuela? Or yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, I am. Okay. Uh, I think I agree with you. I think I'll stick with them. And yeah, Puerto Rico. <laughs> Puerto Rico really is going to be a, a very, very, very interesting team to watch for a lot of reasons. But this will certainly be the pool that probably gets the most. I will watch the most of this pool probably comfortably, I think is safe to say. Um, and I, uh, I can't wait. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. All right. We did it. Jake, we previewed the World Baseball Class. All right. Let's go home. Okay. Let's go home. Uh, thank you all for listening to this WBC Megapod. Go ahead, Jake. Who wins? Oh, the whole thing, huh? Uh, Japan. <laughs> I think Japan's going uh, for number three. And yeah, I'll, I'll take Japan. Who you got? I'll take Venezuela. I am really in on this Venezuela team and they have underwhelmed more than any other major country in the WBC. And I really like them as a dark horse for this edition. Um, Wow. I'm so excited to watch even less spring training. Uh, Thank you all for listening. This was very fun. We will be back later this week on Thursday. Uh, Also, I'm just going to tease this again. We have some exciting stuff to announce hopefully soon, maybe Thursday, maybe next week, who knows, but season's coming up. And we have some very cool stuff in the works. March, you. March yeah. has begun, Jordan. March is March. here. Mar- Mar- March. 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 Has oh, begun. Oh, it has. That's a good point. It has. March has begun. It's my birthday on Friday. Looking forward to that. Um, but we'll pod before then. So don't worry. You don't have to worry about getting me anything uh, before then. But thank you all for listening. Thank you to Chris Tyler for producing. We wish Team Australia the best of luck. But until Thursday, uh, we uh, wish you a great week. We'll talk to you soon. Serious XM Podcasts.